Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, mi gente. Today, I'm very excited. We have Lisa Carrillo with us today to talk about hair and all things. She's a Cubana. She's an entrepreneur. All of the things hair-wise. Before we get into the chisme, we always talk about the wine. I know you're not drinking because you're driving, and we don't believe in drinking and driving on this podcast. And you hear of people getting in drinking and driving accidents or athletes, and I'm like, with Uber with Lyft, with all of these things, there is no excuse to drink and drive. So I just want to make sure I clarify that to everybody that we do not believe in drinking and driving on this podcast in the podcast or in person or in any way, shape or form. So I'm glad you're not drinking and driving. <laughs> no, but I do love wine. <laughs> so my- tell me why you're drinking. So I got this as a gift. So this is a Reserva uh, Rosé from Valle de Rafael in Chile. And Ooh. yeah, I'm trying to see what it says on the back, but it's so tiny. And I have good eyes, but it's so tiny. I can't even read it. But when I smell it, I smell apricots and strawberries. Oh, it smells really good. So Yummy. salud, salud. Salud. Remember, that's just me because Lisa's not drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking a spirit. Hmm. I don't know. Let me take another taste. <laughs> Actually, because it's kind of like, I don't know. You know how there's another flavor that is part of that, but I don't know what it is. And I don't know if I like it or not, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but it could be because what happens is with sometimes when a wine is very, very cold. And as it warms up, it can change the flavor of the wine. So oftentimes when you go to wineries, you want to ask them, especially if it's a white or a rosé, ask them like what temperature you want to serve it. Does it need to be super chilled, chilled, room temperature? Because that often can change the taste of the wine as it progresses. So if you taste a wine as it's super duper cold and then taste it again when it's room temperature, it could be very different. You'd have a very different experience with it. Isn't that crazy? Like you would never think that, right? A lot of things make sense with wine. And people know about it. They they, they have this understand it better, you know? Yeah. The more you know, the more you understand those elements that are important, you know, when you're a wine drinker, I believe. Yes. Well, let me read your bio because, girl, you have a lot. Originally from Cuba, Lisa Carillo is a vibrant hair colorist and curly hair expert based in Las Vegas, Nevada, with over 12 years experience. 
She is a nationally recognized industry leader for her hair color transformations on textured hair and continues to pave the way with her artistic flair and creative techniques. As the founder of Forever Curls Education and the Global Humanitarian Tour, Lisa is passionate about taking education to the next level in areas such as hair care, trending styles, and the curl movement. When she's not at her salon working with clients, she appears as a respected educator and panelist around the country at some of the most influential beauty industry events and shows. And there's a lot more to that, but girl, you know, I had to have make sure my curls were out. Well, I always wear my hair curly. <laughs> I don't rarely, I rarely straighten it. But I was like, oh yes, um, you have been in featured in Allure Magazine, In Touch National, Daily Mail, Yahoo News, Seventeen, Nylon Magazine, Delish, Pop Sugar, and you're also a brand ambassador for Redkin and Mazzani. Girl, hello, Lisa. Wow, that's so much. And that's so amazing. I love how you really focus because obviously you have curly hair. (laughs) Growing up, how did your parents, because I feel like my mom did not understand anything about my hair growing up because she didn't have curly hair. Not like me, like she had wavy hair, but she didn't have curly hair like I do. Growing up, was it common in your family to for everybody to have textured and curly hair or were you like the one that had it and had to figure out what to do with it? I mean, this is interesting that we're talking about this because I think I reached out to you for the same reason. There was two things that grabbed my attention. First was the wine and then that you have curly hair and then that you were Latin on top of that. I was like, oh my God, I guess there is so much that we can talk on the podcast. I grew up in Cuba I'm mixed. So my mom is straight, silky, smooth hair from Spain. My dad is from Africa, literally. That's I'm a true, we call it in Spanish, mulata. It's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. And my mom never knew nothing about my hair. Of course, I have my grandma on my dad's side that was the one helping me with the hair. She passed away when I was four, three or four. And after that, that's when everything started. Um, I started all my challenges and... I think I became who I am today because of the struggles that I have growing up with my hair. And I feel I still have, you know, and I just promised myself that I would help as many people as possible with the hair if I could, you know? Yeah. But totally, I had struggles growing up trying to figure out my hair. My mom couldn't. We were really poor. So it's just hard to find products. She would give me like water with lemon as a conditioner. I mean, it was just hard to detangle my hair, to let it out free. I'm from a small town in Cuba. It's a beach town. So I would go to the beach a lot. So that wasn't healthy either. So it was was tough growing up for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Half the time, I swear my mom did not, she would try, right? I mean, she had, like I said, she has wavy hair and have cousins have curly hair as well, but And then my dad, like, did you used to get made fun of? I used to get made fun of, especially like my dad would sing this song, go R-A-G-G-M-O-P-P, rag mop. He would call me a rag mop for my hair. So I was always so embarrassed of my hair and I wanted to straighten my hair when I was younger. I wanted to do anything that I could to straighten my hair. How were you? Like, how did that reflect on you when your mom couldn't do your hair? You're trying all of these other things. So as you're growing up, how is that reflected in how you viewed yourself and viewed your hair? 
I mean, to be honest, I had the other mom. So I have a mom that knew that was affecting me, especially going to school. Of course, I was in a more diverse environment. Like a lot of people in Cuba are pretty mixed and a lot of curly hair going on and stuff like that. But um, she was always made sure that I knew that I was beautiful. My hair was the most beautiful hair, even though she didn't know how to help me. She wanted me to embrace it. She would just make it always about my hair. And if I would make comments like, mom, I want your straight hair or I want to look like you, she would be like, oh, you don't have idea. This is horrible. This is not even pretty. What are you talking about? She would perm her hair to make it curly. And she would be, look, I just permed my hair to beat you. So think of me that gave me a little confidence. But of course, I didn't have the confidence, right, to get my hair out or things like that. But I didn't have the sources either or the products that I could do in order to make it look. But, you know, you have curly hair. Even if you have the products or you go to the store and there is three shows of products, sometimes the curls are not going to look good. Because it's yeah. about how you apply the products and what you use and how you do it, you know. So I grew up as a ballerina, so I did ballet all my life pretty much until I, until I was 20-something. So I had to put my hair up a lot. So I think mm-hmm. that was also a good thing that I would always lean on that. Oh, I have to put my hair up. Like, you know, if somebody would be like, oh, let me see your hair down. I was oh, I can't because I have to have it up for tomorrow's class or for tomorrow ballet presentation. Or, you know, we always have excuse to not have it down. Right. Because, of course, I wasn't confident, but at least I kind of had the excuse. And my mom on the other side, she was so sweet about my hair. So it kind of like, I didn't have it that bad, if I would say. You're so lucky. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I feel like, especially here and growing up in the time that I grew up in, It was, you know, especially growing up in like the 80s and 90s, it was one of those things that big hair was in, right? But also it was big when you wanted to, I don't know, it's just this weird. And then in the 90s, it was all about super straight, super flat, like hair. And I couldn't do that with my hair. So I feel like I I fit in a little bit more with like those that, that mid to late 80s trend with the big hair because I had it. And then once, as soon as I... When, you know, the 90s came in, it was about that super flat, straight hair. That trend took me oh, out because I couldn't do yeah. that. Now that you're saying that, like, I would smooth my hair straight. And I would put the alarm on the middle of the night. because I would do those wraps around. And I would put the alarm at 3 a.m. And I would just unwrap it and do it on the other side just to smooth it out. I oh think that gosh. what I have on my side is I didn't have the sources or the money to buy the things. So I didn't have a flat iron or or things like that, or I couldn't pay for a keratin treatment, things that I, that I would modify my hair texture. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that allowed me to accept it better or at least learn how to work with my texture even better than if I maybe would have grew up here with yeah. all the options and all the things in your hands that you can pick and choose. I mean, I'm from a third world country. Not only that, it's just, we didn't have internet. We didn't have things like that growing up. So I remember the first time I saw a video of Beyonce, you know, Beyonce, the singer, flipping the head around in front of the stage with the fan. I thought that was her hair. So when mm-hmm. I moved to America, I went to a salon. I was asking for the hair. And they were like, no, it's a wig. I was like, what? It's not a wig. It's a hair. My, and I was 20 something. Because we didn't grow up seeing those things or going to salons to get sewing wigs or stuff like that. We were poor. I didn't even know that that even exists. 
that makes sense. So I was just like, on the, I was born in the 80s, but why I say Cuba is like 20 years behind that. So even if you were born in 80, 90, you have 70s and 60 mindset. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but kind of like that. No, but even when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of products for curly hair. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't until I got to be pretty much an adult because there wasn't really internet. The where I grew up, I, I was born in 77. So in the 80s, there was not stuff for curly hair. You would have mousse, you would have gel, but it was so drying for your hair. There was nothing really out there to really make your hair curl, like to help with your curls, right? Like your hair just ended up being really curly. How old were you when you moved to the United States? I was born in 81 and I moved to the United States and I was 22. Okay. So I went to school in Cuba. You know, I grew up basically there and I moved to America as an adult. And that's what I say. I, I moved to Las Vegas. That's the reason I'm in Vegas. I used to be a performer. So I came to Cuba with a show and I performed for the first three, four years. And then I worked with Circo de Soleil. Like I, I've been dancing and performing all my life. And then became her stylist. So it's, wow. it's been a big journey. Yeah, but, actually, I was um, about to ask like how you got, <laughs> I mean, because obviously your hair is important. When you have curly hair, I feel like it's such a different, like your hair is really part of your identity, right? People know, recognize me. I went, I met some friends that I've known for like, that, that I've known since I was in third or fourth grade. And one of them was like, oh, I knew it was you because of your hair. <laughs> and I haven't seen these people in like 25 years <laughs> or th more, 30 years probably. But the fact that they <laughs> recognize me still from my hair. So I think totally. when you have curly hair, it's almost like part of your identity. So if you don't see people that have curly hair or if you're, there's not products for your hair, it, it can really mess with your self-worth. I had that challenge. Did you ever have that challenge of it? Well, I guess not because you had, you said like there was a really diverse groups in, in school and your mom would always tell you I would get made fun of. I did too. I mean, especially when I was little, my mom cut a really short one time and it was like, not proud of like you say. And it was just becoming like a little Afro- I got called lions and I got called so many names. I did. But to be honest, I didn't let it out. I didn't know my hair was this curly until I was in my 20s. If that makes sense. So I knew that was curly because I would jump on the beach or I would literally like swim and come back and I would see the, the ringlets and all that. But I wouldn't let it dry like that. I don't know if that makes sense. So we always smooth it or yeah. we braid it. So I wasn't even really understanding that my hair could curl and be the way it is right now until I moved to America. Wow. That makes sense. So before that, yeah. my first 20 years of my life, I was hiding myself in the fact that I was a ballerina. So nobody really knew how my hair was. I always have a pull back, a smooth, silky smooth in a ponytail. And then we had that, you know that tight, whatever wrap that you do on top of the head. And yeah. really, I was living in that stage of hiding my hair. So I wasn't even comprehend what I was about. You know, I knew at one point I had to have it out. I knew, I remember my quinceañera, my mom smoothed it out with the hat comb. She took me to a place, sorry. And they smoothed it out. And it was just beautiful, long, straight. But girl, like I said, I'm on the beach town. 
by 5 p.m. after I did all the pictures, it was all frizzy and wild and, you know, because it was up at the beach, you know, I grew up at yeah. the beach. So it was just like, I was like, oh. And that humidity, oh my God. The humidity I, in Cuba is crazy. You know, even here, people say, oh, Florida. I mean, you here, you go to your car that is AC on your car. You go to the restaurant that is AC in the restaurant. You have those moments of AC, right? So imagine living in a humidity place 24-7 with no release. You get to your room, is humidity. You get to the bathroom, you start sweating even after the shower. You come yeah. outside, it's sweating. You come inside, the school is sweating. You come outside, it's sweating the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's not like, in little no escaping so your hair gonna get freezing gonna go freezing <laughs> like freezing I lived in Dallas for a while and it's humid there but I've been to Florida several times and it was one of those things where I was like I would straighten my hair knowing that it's going to get frizzy but the frizzy when my hair was straight was better than the frizzy with my hair curly because it would just get bigger and bigger and bigger so I'm imagining if it's anything like if it's like Florida or worse, ay, ay, ay. That's like so bad. Yeah, Florida can be can be bad for sure. I mean, so you don't know how to handle it, right? Oh, no. I like honestly, that's one of the reasons I won't I wouldn't ever move. Well, there's a lot of reasons I wouldn't move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but the humidity is one of those reasons because I'm like, I can't deal with that. I had to deal with enough when I lived in Dallas and uh, I'm like, I can't deal with that. So when you moved to the States and you realize like how curly your hair actually was, what was it that made you figure that out? Was it from the performing and how they were doing your hair? Did people even mm -hmm. know how to do your hair? Did you have to do it no, yourself? No. I shaved my head before I moved to America, right? So when I moved here, I have maybe five, six inch of growth. So then, because my hair was so short to put it back in a ponytail, I could see my curls, like, it was just, you know, the hair didn't have any heat damage, anything like that, because I shaved it, literally. I cut everything off. Mm -hmm. So I started searching for products and things like that, and the curls were there. I don't know. The curls were just perfect, beautiful. And I started getting compliments from people here, and I started believing that my curls were beautiful. And that was they were like, you were in Las oh. Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were like, oh my gosh, I love your curls. Oh my God, I love your hair. But we go to audition. Oh, the girl with the afro. It was just, I would start being the girl with the afro. Oh, the girl with the afro. I wanted to be this way. Oh, the girl with the afro. I, I did modeling too. And there would be all oh, the girl with the afro. Like I started becoming the beautiful afro hair, whatever. And it got better because I started trying different things. And like I say, I'm in the desert. <laughs> Vegas is a desert. So whatever product you put on the hair is going to stay. It's not going like, to freeze out or anything like that. Maybe it was easier that I start from a scratch and it was little and I start managing managing my hair from little to what is now, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of like maybe that was a good point that I started learning about my hair little by little. And I think that's why that that was that was it. You know that I went to a place and somebody explained to me anything like that. I think I have just an ability to to work with my hair. And having the sources here, a better conditioner, a better treatments that I would get at the store, I would put it on, I would leave it longer. You know, my hair was more manageable because it was shorter. I think that that was a point of help, I would say. Oh, my gosh. So when you were doing these shows, right, because people were noticing you as the, the girl with the afro and the girl with the curls, when you were part of these shows, were you having to do, like, 
Like, what would you do during the shows? Would you have to do your own hair? Did would is there anybody? Because I I find even for me, right? It's very, very hard to find somebody who can do curly hair, who can style it, who can, especially mm. who can cut it. Girl, I have yeah. people here from Florida, from all around the, the world. Like, I know how people care about the hair and how much they, you know, when they found somebody, how much they can just trust that person. And right. I get you feeling like I always tell my clients, I'm by you. Like, I know your frustration. I know how hard it is to find somebody like me. Yeah. <laughs> I need so somebody like you... me to do my own hair. Yeah. So how did you move from performing to, you know what, there's this need out there that Mm -hmm. I have this hair, I've been taking care of my hair and I know other people need it. How do you make that jump? And how did you figure that out? Like, that's what you wanted to do. I mean, not really. Uh, like you say, uh, what did I do on my show? So on my, uh, when I was doing the shows, I would always wear wigs or hair pieces. It's just because mm-hmm. the character or whatever the show was stationed in a different era, my hair didn't fit on everything, right? So I got injury and I had to stop dancing, right? And performing. I had to find something else to do. I was looking, literally I opened the newspaper and I was looking for a career. I didn't go to high school here. I didn't have any credit. So I went to college to be interior designer. So I was like, oh, I think that's what I want. You know, when you're a performer and you grew up the way I did, the dancing is your only passion and everything is around that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that I could find something else that I would like as much as I do like dancing still. Even though I don't do it, I still love it. And I was super lost. My English wasn't good at all. I didn't speak any English but them. Because as a dancer, you don't have to communicate much. So I got here with a big group of 60 Cubans. So we all were living together. We all were performing together. Only when I got to Circo Soleil, other shows, and modeling, I started learning a little more English, but not to go to college to do a career, you know. My English wasn't good. So I found out the beauty school, it was cheap. Because that's another thing. When I Google and I went to college, the careers were really expensive too, you know? So I was like, wow, 80,000, 90,000, how am I going to pay that? And I was still looking and I found beauty school, right? So I was like, oh, beauty school looks like something cool. Back then, like I say, growing up, performing all the time, you have to do your makeup constantly, all the time. So I was pretty good at makeup and I was doing a lot of my friends' makeup for the weddings or events and I would start doing braiding and hair updos. Mm-hmm. Like I was always good at braiding hair. And my friends were the one that like, you should go to school to do hair. And I was like, oh, maybe, yeah. And that's what I ended up in cosmetology school. I graduated. I started as a cleaning lady in a salon. So I cleaned the salon for many, many months. And I started assisting, helping out. But this salon that I picked to work was really big in education. They were big. They were hosting okay. the biggest education in town. So because I was cleaning and putting things in and out, I could benefit a lot from education, right? I was just looking at everything that was happening. And I started working as a hairstylist later on after they gave me space. I started taking clients, but nobody had curly hair. I started getting clients with curly hair because they thought that I knew curly hair because I had had curly hair. Exactly. They assumed right away. I ended up start doing cuts and... And it was horrible. I was like, oh, this is not good. I'm not going to take more of these clients. I'm not doing a good job. But at the same time, wasn't any education up there for me to learn, right? 
So I still, no matter what people will like, somehow, at least the way I explain how to apply product, there was something that I still get connected with those people. They would come back to me. I was like, oh, I think I left the Kirk. I was cricket. I don't think it was even, <laughs> but they came back. I don't know. I, I think they felt it was even better than anybody else. Well, that's Whatever. the good thing with curly hair is it doesn't always have to be exactly even, right? Exactly. It's a little, it's a little forgivable, right? So yeah. I don't know. A little by little, more people were coming. I was like, oh, I have to take this to another level. I have to take this serious. This is, I can see the need. I can see how people were going through a lot of personal stuff during the appointment how much they were bullying when they were kids and people were calling names or the mom were telling this. I was just the same story that we were just talking, you and I. So mm-hmm. every curly girl have a story like that or similar or even worse. So I would start connecting with the people's feelings and I would start just getting my own late night, very late night, midnight, one in the morning at the salon, creating those moments to create techniques and ways to learn better about curly hair. So I was implementing a lot of techniques that I was learning for straight hair to curly hair. Some that were better, some didn't work at all. Some gave me an idea to create the ones that I already have now that I teach, you know? Yeah. So it was a lot of hair for free that I did, a lot of people that I did for free in order to create the techniques that I teach and I do behind the shed right now. But basically it was like a, a little bit at a time. It wasn't nothing that I planned or I knew that I was good at it. I never thought that I would be good at this. I love hearing that because I think so many times we have something that we love, right? And we are absolutely like, this is it. This is what I'm due. And then life sometimes happens. In your case, you got injured and you couldn't continue dancing. And, you know, we struggle. And I think people need to hear the times when we're going through a struggle and we're like, I don't know what's next. And I'm so happy that you had friends that saw something in you that you didn't even see in you at that moment. And that is what friendship is, right? Like your friends will see something in you that sometimes you don't even see in yourself. And that you decided to, okay, what is the next thing? Even though it may have just started off as like, all right, let's see. And then you built a love for it. And obviously that's led to all of these other things. How did you start getting featured in things? Because you've been featured in all of these publications. Two questions, right? What do you teach your clients in regards to their curl? And because every curl is different, there's all types of curls. Length obviously has a lot to do with it. And like me, I have a lot of hair, but my hair is not super thick, but I have a ton of it, right? So all of these things go into play. So what are the first couple of things that you teach your clients when it comes to their hair? And then how did that progress into being featured into all of these different publications? Such a good question. Such a good question. It was just like I say, I start experimenting and pushing curly hair to the limits. So I start a trend. I would consider myself somebody that started a trend where curly hair was not even popular. The reason why, because I just want every person that comes to my share to feel welcome and to get and achieve any color of the rainbow. That was my goal. I was like, I don't want us to feel less. I don't want it to feel no beautiful. I don't want us as a curly girls to be, oh, I cannot be blonde. I cannot be blue. I cannot be pink. I was like, why? Because some hairstylists don't have the knowledge to do it. Doesn't mean that it's impossible. You have to understand curly hair, but when you do, you can do anything. 
and yeah. I prove it. So I basically start little by little creating all these viral pictures. I would say 2014, 15, a couple of my pictures went viral. And the reason went viral because it was a campaign for L'Oreal Professional. So L'Oreal Professional create this new direct dye, those like fun colors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, pink, blue, all of that. So that's when all those colors started coming a lot in social media and stuff like that. And I started doing those colors on curly hair. So it wasn't something that people were doing but them. People would be like, oh, what do you mean you put curly hair in foils? You cannot do that. So I remember there was a couple brands like Diva Coral that they have their own product line and a cutting technique. But nobody really had a coloring technique to save color and push curly hair to the limit. They would do pintura. The color pintura is basically like a balayage. It's basically like painting the hair on the surface and you don't put it in foils or you don't lack a lot of heat in it because it wasn't healthy. So I start, I said, oh no, I'm going to prove that it's possible. I'm going to prove that you can do it. And I was just bleaching basically curly hair to platinum blonde. I was just doing crazy things. You know, I was breaking the rules. And when you break the rules, you risk. I burned a lot of people's hair, including mine. I had to shave my head again. So I do a lot of things. But at the same time, it took me to a level where people were like, who the heck is this girl? What is she doing? You know, and that's it. I started working with companies and brands and a little bit. One picture went this way. Another picture went viral that way. And I think social media was a big part of that. Different beauty hair awards that I have worn as well, kind of like put myself on the spotlight of um, somebody that has curly hair. And I started teaching those techniques. So I, of course, named them techniques. I developed the techniques and the curriculum in a way that is more approachable and is better for all her stylists, no matter what level they are to understand curly hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on that. I'm still taking that to a further level. But that's what it was. It wasn't like, you know, it was just little by little, basically. And took me, like I say, a lot of time to even try and make sure that it works. It didn't work at the beginning. It wasn't perfect at the beginning. But it ended up working out. And I'm glad because I think it's a better space for all of us. I just want a diverse industry when it comes with hairdressing. I want all hairdressers to be welcoming any kind of clients. I don't want them to say no because the way they look or the way the hair feels or, you know, if they have kinky, curly, way, I mean, everybody should be welcome in your share. We all deserve yeah. to get our hair done and have any color. So that's what I preach. And that's what I'm away from my family so much because I'm always going, 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 trying to keep sharing my knowledge and right. help because I feel like I can stay at the salon and keep charging money and keep doing clients. Like I get what you're saying. I Every week I have somebody from anywhere in the United States. They fly to Vegas to get their hair done. But I was, how many people you can reach just behind the chair? So I was like, what about if I just reach hairstylists? Because hairstylists can help more clients. You know, more people yes. can benefit if I teach what I know. That if I just behind the chair charging a lot of money for what I do because I'm an specialist. Or I do, do good. And this is what I do. And nobody can do it. Like, it's not about <laughs> me anymore. Yeah, it's not about me anymore because I'm a curly girl. I suffer the same things everybody walking up there has suffered. So that's why I'm like, no, I think I can do better if I share my knowledge. And that's what I did. I cannot try those techniques. I perfect the techniques. And now I've been teaching since 2015. And that's how all of those accomplished that you have seen. It's been a lot of hard work, a lot of like pushing, a lot of like late hours. And that's now my 
biggest goal to create a more diverse industry for hairdressers. As it should be, like you were saying, like everybody deserves to be welcome in the chair. What was your worst? I know you said you've your mom took you one time to get your hair pressed for your quince for certain times you like, what was your worst haircut growing up? And is it like, I can tell you, I will, I absolutely remember mine. But growing <laughs> up, because people don't realize how traumatizing it can be. Like they Big. really don't. Girl, I have so many. But <laughs> I can tell you, to me, the worst was time. I remember my show director, she paid for all of us to get the hair done at one of the big casinos here. You know, going to a casino spa in Vegas is always going to be more fancier, more expensive. It's something that you can afford, you know. I mean, at least I couldn't afford in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. So we took there, we had a credit card that was open for all of us to get done any service. I think it was a Christmas gift for her. I don't remember. It was something that she just wanted us to have that moment. And I was the only one from the group that didn't get the hair done. That's how bad my experience was. I walked from three, four, five different chairs at the salon. They were literally walking me around. Oh, she can do this. Oh, she can do that. Oh, um, no, she doesn't know how to do this part of your hair. Oh, let's walk on this guy. This, I was just like, I was like, what the heck is going on here? Can somebody do my hair and finish or not do it at all? Because I felt different. I felt ugly. I felt less. I felt not pretty. I felt my hair wasn't acceptable. It wasn't doable. It's like, you feel like, what the heck I have on my head? That nobody can even brush it, you know? Mm -hmm. You start getting all those moments and you're like, what is going on here? You guys should be amazing. You guys are charging so much and nobody here can do my hair. So I realized that with moments like that, I realized it isn't about who you are and how long you've been doing hair. Yeah. You know, it how open you are to be more diverse, and I was a model in my salon one time. There was a class and the guy insists, girl, I have to literally, before I had to come out to show the final look, I had to ask my friend to get a shot for me. I need to drink something because I couldn't even look at the guy. My hair was down the drain. He burned it. I didn't have any hair left. It was just horrible. Oh, no. You know how the hair, I don't know if you ever have a back color, but you know how it starts falling little by little. It won't fall yes. everything at once, right? So I could see that day, literally 60% of my hair was gone. By the week, 80% was gone. By the second week, I had pieces that were long and everything else was short. I have a chemical haircut, literally. <laughs> a chemically oh. shop. And I have to cut it all off and start over. Oh so I don't even know which one. The salon experience was emotional, draining, and devastating. The experience that I have sitting as a model for this guy that was super famous um, as a hairstylist. And I was sitting as a hairstylist knowing that what he was doing was wrong. But at the same time, I couldn't get up. You know, you're in front of 60, 70 people, you know, looking at what he's doing. He's performing. He's doing his best. And you're like, I know what he's doing is not right. But let's see. Let's pray that I still have hair at the end. Sure enough, it didn't. (laughs) But I have many, many of those. Many bad haircuts, many moments like that. And those are the moments that come in my head when I'm listening to my clients, when I'm doing a consultation, when I'm going through product knowledge and helping them out. I want to get on the emotional part. I want to get on the physical part, doing my job. And of course, I want to get on the education part. Every yeah. single person that sit on my chair, I try to educate them more than anything. Oh, I yeah, want them absolutely. to like, right? Learn. And I want the hair to look good, not even with me. When they leave there a month from now, 
two months from now, six months from now. I care about them loving the hair through the whole process, you know? And I'm like yeah, shaking my head over here because I get it. I <laughs> totally understand that. I think like I've had so many bad haircuts. And I, I do remember one particular one when I was in, I think, sixth grade. Yeah, I was in sixth grade that, you know, it was the time of the bangs and everything. And I went to go get a trim and this lady cut off my, all of my bangs. They were literally like not even an inch long, barely an inch long, maybe. And it was so bad that my mom let me stay home from school for two days to let them. But then after that, she's like, I can't let you stay home. Like that's going to take forever to grow out. So I can't let you stay home. And then in eighth grade, my mom, cause she was so, cause I would break brushes. Right. And then, so I got to the point where I wouldn't brush my hair. I would just kind of run my fingers through my hair with, with the um, conditioner. And then one time I tried to brush it and I broke the brush. <laughs> and so my mom was like, you should cut your hair. She was trying to convince me and I let her convince me to cut my hair and it was short. So then for the next two years, I was called fro by the football players. And because, you know, when curly hair, when you cut it short, if you don't get it cut by somebody who knows how to cut curly hair, it was starting to grow out and up and not down. (laughs) And it was just so traumatic. And even now, like you said, like educating yourself, because I know how, like when I, I've had three stylists in the last 20 years, that's it. And the only reason is because I moved when I was in Dallas. Then I came back to California and I went back to my old person. And now being in San Diego, I don't, you know, like I wanted to find somebody who was closer. And then she moved to Florida, but she comes here sometimes. When she comes back, I, I see her, but I know how my hair is. And I know that I have like the sides of my, the sides don't grow as fast as the rest of my hair. So I know I have to say, like, I don't want it to look like two separate haircuts. Because when I first meet somebody or because I've had that where they trim, but they don't blend it with the back. And then it looks like the front is a separate, it looks like in the front, I have a short haircut, but then I turn around and in the back, it's really long. (laughs) So it's like, I told all of the things that you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, I get it. Yes, I get it. Tell me, what are the things that somebody should look for? If you're a curly, you know, like I said, there's so many different textures and curl types and everything like that. What are the top two or three things that somebody should look for when they're looking for a hairstylist to cut their curly hair? First, you have to do your research. I think doing a research, it would be the best. And I always say this, especially on my education for any texture type. If you're Asian and you know you have dark pigmented hair, Go to a hairstylist. If you're looking to be really blonde, go to a hairstylist that is familiar to work with your texture. With dark, dark, that she's known to take Asian dark hair to blonde, right? Because it's different than a Caucasian that is just, just really light. And she's taking a blonder. It's different than taking some Latina, dark pigmented hair or Asian that is like dark, dark to blonde. It's two different type of blonde process. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with curly hair. You have to do a research in your area. Make sure that when you look for that stylist, she does your hair type. You know, she understands curly hair. She understands your kind of texture type. And if you're looking for color, especially, she has to do color. If she's looking for cut, she has to cut. She has to do a lot of cuts, you know. I feel it's just searching. It would be number one. Two, 
trusting the process and not expecting to have somebody else calls. I feel a lot of moments clients come and they have an inspiration picture, but doesn't even match with the call type. Call type is basically not only bipolar, but everybody has their own fingerprint, like you're saying. It's just their own call type that doesn't have nothing to do with somebody else. Somebody with super tight, tight curls, but fine, are going to be different than somebody with super tight, tight curls, thick. You know, if your hair is thicker, it's going to be different than finer, even if you have the same similar curl type. So it's just basically don't want somebody else hair. You have to find somebody that can do the best for your hair with your hair. You yeah. can expect the hairstylist to give you somebody else curls. Because I think on curly hair happens a lot. People get in love with that perfect, beautiful blogger that is posting about her curls. She always have makeup. She had the perfect lighting. She's 21. And then <laughs> here is you. Because it changes as you get older. Exactly. You know, uh, hormones when you have kids. All of that is changed. You cannot compare yourself if you're 56 with somebody that is 19, 21. And even you know, your face shape, right? The shape of your face everything. and all of those things go into account. Exactly. So I would say first, search for the hairstylist that match what you're looking for. Second, be realistic. And three, I would say have clear expectations and bring inspiration pictures. I feel a lot of people, they like, oh, I want volume. Okay, but what is volume for you might not be volume for me. Or yeah. might be not as high for you that as high for me. I can pick volume really high, but maybe for you it's too much. Yeah. Or bands. Your bands maybe for you, short bands are like above your eyebrows. For me, it might be nose chin. I, I don't know. So I think I'm bringing pictures, the things that you don't like and things that you like on other people that have curly hair is good because the stylist can visualize things better and understand you better. Going deep on your lifestyle. If you cannot commit to do things, don't ask for things that you cannot commit, right? If you have four kids, you're running around all the time, picking up from soccer, taking the other one to ballet, going to a school, homeschooling the third kid, breastfeeding another one. Why you go to her salon and asking for something that is not doable? Oh, it's doable, but you cannot literally keep up with it. You know, so I think realistic, being realistic and honest with yourself with what you have and you can achieve and treat and maintain is important. Mm -hmm. The person that does this too. And of course, the inspiration, you know, get inspiration for things that are realistic, right? So absolutely. Now, anybody that's heard the podcast and previously, and I haven't talked about it in a while, I am a Rizos Curls girl. I love my Rizos Curls. I love... The products. I love how it has really brought out my curls again because when I lived in Dallas, I would straighten my hair a lot and that loosened my curls. And now that I live in back home in San Diego, I don't straighten my hair very often. I've let the curls I actually did do a big, big chop back in June. And my curls, you know, it's taken time and it's come back to life. So that's my preference. And everybody has to find their own preference, right? Of what they like for their hair. What are your go-to style aids like shampoo, conditioner, or whatever to style your hair? Or what do you use most often for, for curly girls that you work with? Well, I feel like when you were born curly, you are born curly. There is nothing to change or reverse that, at least if you are you do it chemically or you stretch your head a lot and you, you know, get rid of those surfer bones that are creating that 
you know, um, tension and creating those curls, right? But if you don't modify it in that, you will burn curly. I think that's the first thing people have to understand. So there is no product that is going to make you hurt curly because you're already curly. So what you can do is to understand the hydration is what is going to make you curls to look the best. So there is two different factors, hydration and moist, you know? Mm -hmm. So hydration comes from the inside, right? The water that you drink, what you eat, a lot of protein has to be on your head in order to be healthy. So I feel like hydration, what you drink, doing that inside work with yourself is good. And then expect to get the right products for the outside, right? Because what you see on the outside is the dead part of your hair. Your hair is literally alive inside when you look inside your body, right? So I feel like yes. So people don't realize when your when your hair grows, it's dead, like you said. Exactly right. So I feel like if you use moist and every product that you buy is a water based product, you will be fine. When you are working with adding a lot of moist to your curls, your curls are going to revive, they're going to evolve, they're going to be like bouncing, juicy, full, and all of that. You have to also make sure, like you say, if you heard it fine, if you heard it thick, if you heard it medium, what kind of product you're using. You also have to analyze and how much you want to get from your style when you pick products, right? I'm somebody that I'm pretty okay with being a little frizzy, to have a lot of volume. You know, when you rather have more volume than definition, you're going to suffer a little bit from that little freeze, curls going all over the place. But is that what you're looking for? Go for it. If you're okay with it, go for it. You have to be confident enough to walk around with a head that is a little freezy and be okay. You know, you have to be okay with a head that is not perfect all the time. Now, if you are somebody that like perfect curls and a lot of definition and you're a little more OCD, so you have to maybe use more products than somebody like me. You have to have a primer. You have to have a deep conditioner and all of that. Uh, routines, if you do color, if you live in a desert like me, you're in a dry environment and you do a lot of colors back and forth between blonde and dark, you should put yourself in a cleansing conditioner instead of shampooing your hair all the time. There is something that we clean your hair more gently than shampoo that is called cleansing conditioner. Some people call it uh, no lather shampoo, no poo. I think it used to be on diva curl terms, but basically something that will clean your hair, but it won't lather and it won't extract a lot of those natural oils and things like that. So that would be a to-go product to you have on your shower. And shampoo maybe once or twice a month. I'm not saying that you don't clean your hair every week. I'm saying you don't shampoo it with shampoo every week. You right. alternate it with the other product. That way your hair doesn't dry out too much, especially if you're already drying your hair with bleach and with color. And another thing that I like to add is those hair masks. Those hair masks are going to be more concentrated than regular conditioner. They thicker, they treatments. They're supposed to be used once in a while, not for curly hair. For curly hair, you would never gonna be overusing a hair mask because our hair tends to be drier. Yeah. Just make sure that you apply it on the ends, mid shaft, distribute it with the brush, brush it through it so it gets everywhere. But that would be kind of the foundation. Focus on your hydration and your moist, and you will get better curls. Other than that, using the styling product is something that is gonna allow your curls to look good for longer. It's basically something that is going to set your curls to success for the whole week or the whole three days, the whole four days. But if you don't have the foundation, the good hydration and moist, no matter what product you put on your hair, it's not going to work the same. 
Yeah. It's going to be there, but it's going to be laying on top and it's not going to be penetrating because when your head is just not hydrated enough, it doesn't absorb products. It's basically pushing away the good things, the hydration, the, the, the moist and all of that. So it's important to not use too much oils either because oil and water don't mix. They separate. And basically, if you do a lot of oils, you're pushing away the moist that I'm talking about that you need on your hair and things like that. But um, more information, I have a lot of free, free good videos on YouTube in Spanish and English. If you're a hairstylist, by any chance, listen to this too. <laughs> I have a lot of education about, like I teach for four days, just cutting and styling. And another no. four days just for like business and color. It's a lot. I love that because people need to know, like, and I don't think people realize like then how big the need is out there because when I'm looking for somebody, oh my gosh, I am looking and researching and calling and lo- wanting to look at pictures and calling and talking to somebody and talking about my, because, you know, when you're saying do your research, you really need to do your research. And I think most curly girls out there know because we've all had these traumatic experiences. And I'm so glad we, I know we're like on limited time and we have to wrap up, but I love the fact that we just got to spend all this time talking about curly hair because I never get to spend this much time just talking about curly hair because, you know, we always get distracted. But the fact that we were focusing on that, you really, (laughs) yes, no, I love it because that's really, you know, when I ask everybody what they want the interview to focus on, you were like, dreams are possible. You want diversity. And you were talking about that in curly hair. And we've been talking about all those things for the last, you know, almost hour and uh, let me make sure I let people know on social media, your Lisa hair and makeup at, and then also forever curls Academy and at, and your podcast is my American Vida. And I have loved this conversation. I know I need to respect being, you have something else that you have to get to. And we had to do some juggling with our time today, but it's okay. We worked it out. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation about curly hair because I don't get to have these conversations very often. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, if people want more and more, like literally, like I love to talk about curly hair and I love to talk about how we can make this a better world, you know, for all of us. And I love what you do. I love your podcast. Related hair, related life, related wine. I don't care. I just <laughs> I just feel attracted to people that, you know, they're bringing something different to the table for some reason. I, I was scrolling. I started following a lot of podcasts since I... Um, just recently having mine and I was just found, I found it. I was, oh my gosh, she's so cute. I wanted to shout. Thank you. And I, yeah, I'm not blonde anymore. Oh no. I was blonde for a while. I mean, if you're in Vegas, you know, I'm here for you. Um, Basically, Henao has some wine and I can do your hair. Girl, you you don't need to tell me twice. I will totally reach out to you next time I'm in Vegas. So it's not that far from here. So I have your number. I have your number. So Lisa, muchísimas gracias. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for talking to me about curly hair. And like I said, um, mi gente, please go check out her social media handles. They are all in the show notes. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. And such a pleasure to talk to you today. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. 
You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated 